Hey, this is Michael. Thanks so much for listening to Soma's podcast. Before this week's teaching, I just want to take a second and thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing and subscribing. It makes a huge impact. Enjoy the message. Hey, come on one time. Let's give it up for King Jesus. Come on, let's give it up like he's worthy. Amen. Amen. Hey, take a minute right now. Greet the people around you. Hug someone. Say hello to people. High five somebody. And then we grab a seat. Good morning. Good morning. Um, Hey, before we jump into the message today, a couple things. So, Christmas Eve services are coming up 23rd and 24th this week. That's crazy, fam. That is so crazy. So, uh, so t- two on the 23rd, 5 and 7 p.m., and then 1, 3, 5, and 7 on the 24th. Make plans. Let us know you're coming. You can register. Really, it's not like a ticketed thing. We just really need a heads up as to who's attending what so that we can better serve and prepare for church family. So if everybody shows up at the 5 p.m. on the 24th, we got problems, if you know what I'm saying. So um, so we're really, because we're expecting thousands of people. So we're expecting, you know, double probably what we normally serve on any given Sunday. And uh, strategically, we're trying to figure out how to make that happen. So with that is the crazy ask for you too, because I just believe God will make room. Uh, you know, be intentional with friends, family, coworkers, people who you know need a church family, a place to call home of people to call family in this season and make an ask. Uh, more more than any other time of year, people will say yes to attend a church service with you, even if they don't share your convictions or your faith or, or see any value in what we do uh, as a church. They'll be like, cool, whatever. Yeah, I'll go to that thing, whatever. You know, just watch God get a hold of their heart. Um, last year, we saw 27 people uh, surrender their lives to Jesus over the course of church services and... Uh, and I'm just believing that God's going to meet people in this space. And I'm just thinking there are people in my life that I would love for them to be a part of whatever that, whoever it is that gives their life to Jesus. So one, pray about it. But then two, as the Holy Spirit leads, like just pay attention. I know we're moving in a bunch of different places and spaces and we got to go to all the events and think about who do we buy for, what are we doing? It's a stressful time, but just shoot a text. Think about one person, just one. Just shoot a text to someone. Hey, would you come and hang out with services? We're going to this time. Let us know. Give us an RSVP online at soma.church under events. There's a place for you to register, you and your, your family. Uh, update from last week. So if you were with us last week or you've been part of our church family for a season, we do something called Legacy. It's an end-of-year offering. A part of Legacy is an end-of-year offering, offering that helps us accelerate the vision that God has for our church. And we attach a handful of initiatives to Legacy every single year. And one of those initiatives this year is really helping us secure uh, funding to to move on a more permanent facility in our first building, our first location as a church. So, um, and we've just been praying and thinking about it, and I just, I got exciting news to share. We don't have a building yet, calm down. Uh, But last week, we, just in one weekend, just from one offering, we're already uh, at the same place that we were last year for Legacy as a whole. We have over $300,000 that were given over the course of just one weekend. Y'all, come on, give praise. Yes. Um, I know it feels weird and stupid to clap for money, but like it just position, it's just the faithfulness of God and the generosity expressed and just really the investment and the ownership that you guys believe in the vision that God's 
building his church and, and doing a really cool thing. I'm sharing that with you because in really what we saw last year and in general with Legacy is on that Sunday we see a percentage and then by the end of the year we'll see another run of gifts that happen bef- between now and the end of the year, funds still live. And then last year what we saw was we saw people give in the spring towards that initiative. So uh, if you haven't taken a part of Legacy and you want to participate, we'd love for you to be a part of it. Our goal was never about a number. It was all about a participation, which was 100%. We have everything. Historically, with Legacy, we have everything from $2 to 115000 in terms of gifts. And so you're going to land somewhere in there in that ballpark. Pray about it. Think, what is my part to play and how can I make a difference in the lives of others? Last thing before I jump into message. So January 4th is a Wednesday is a Wednesday night, and for all my middle schoolers and high schoolers, or if you know middle schoolers and high schoolers, we're just going to have a giant, massive, insane party in this space. And so Dallas Bates, who oversees our youth, um, if you have questions or you want to get your kids connected to that, January 4th, please bring, invite, and, and be a part of it. We have these invite cards for January 4th, but we're praying for and believing for 100 kids, middle schoolers and high schoolers to come hang out with us. We're working with the school system and everybody. Really, if everybody who was a part of our church family now in that age range attended, we probably would have that and then some. So pray about it and then uh, invite some friends and come be a part of that. If you have questions on that, Dallas is going to be out in the courtyard after the service, how you can get plugged in, how you can help us build out youth here at Selma. Okay. Fruits of the Spirit. We've been in a series uh, for Christmas at Soma, which is a season for us. We've been talking about love, joy. Today we're going to be talking about peace. Basically, Galatians 5. This has been our theme verse for this whole series, okay? So Galatians 5, verse 22 through 23 says this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In other words, God will give you these things. He'll put these on the inside of you so that you can begin to bear fruit. What's inside comes out and begins to impact the people around you. And so, but, but we've also said, hey, you can't give away what you don't have. If I don't have love, if I don't realize how much I'm loved, it's really hard for me to love God and love people until I finally realize how much he loves me. Same thing for joy. I can't give joy away if I don't have If I want to lift a room and I'm not joyful, it's just going to be a hard time for me to do that. Same thing with every single fruit of the spirit today we're talking about peace peace right and so um if we're being real we all could afford to level up in the area of peace if you have arrived in this area please come take this microphone and teach us okay so like it's just a crazy time of year and the bible has a lot to say on peace um and so just to kind of just frame everything up there's a great uh, Christmas passage in Isaiah 9, 6 about the, the birth and the announcement of Jesus. Matter of fact, this bracelet that I got on is an Isaiah 9, 6 bracelet. I didn't even notice that until after last service. But it says this, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He's going to be called Wonderful Counselor. He's going to be called Mighty God. He's going to be called Everlasting Father. And he's going to be called Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. And so Jesus is sent into the world as prince of peace he comes and then because he is who he is he's able to give us a supernatural peace uh, that's just not normal and so jesus he tells his followers um, before he leaves and he ascends and goes to heaven this is after his life and and really this is before his death and resurrection but it speaks to that moment in john chapter 14 uh, there's there's a few chapters there in this section of john where he begins to teach and talk about the holy spirit Hey, the next few hours, the next few days are going to be insane. It's going to be crazy. But 
trust me, right? And then, and then he speaks to after he's gone, he says, I'm going to send a helper. I'm going to send an advocate. I'm going to send you my, my spirit. And so John 14, 27, he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I'm going to give you. I'm not going to give you some peace. I'm going to give you mine. I'm going to give you my peace. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And so Jesus promises he is the Prince of Peace, and then he promises this peace. And then the Apostle Paul gives commentary to this in 2 Thessalonians 3.16. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you always. And so, again, Paul's just like, hey, we serve a God who's with us. We serve a God who is Emmanuel. And as that, he's able to usher in and give us his peace. And then Jesus, in his most famous sermon, Sermon on the Mount, he says this about peace. Not only am I going to give you peace, but now I'm going to commission you to give it to others. So he says this. He says in Matthew 5, 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And so uh, in, for the Jew... And you and I, we think about peace completely different than the way that the Apostle Paul or even the way that Jesus would have framed peace. Because when we say that word, it just means something entirely different. Um, you and I think of peace in the term, in like the absence of something. So the absence of conflict, the absence of arguing, the absence of hard things, the absence of unrest, the absence of war. So, for example, when we think about world peace, we just think about pe- nobody being at war. That would be world peace, except you and I, there's plenty of examples all throughout history of countries who were not actively in war, who just had civil unrest and were not very peaceful, right? And so that's not, that's kind of a, a false idea of what peace is. On a personal level, we think of peace as the absence of conflict. So, uh, and it's really more passivity, but we think, okay, I'll have peace if I'm just not arguing, if we're not having conflict. If I just, and so some of us will walk around trying to avoid all kinds of hard conversations, thinking that we're bringing peace into a situation, and really the entire time you're just carrying unrest in your spirit, right? So you're, just, you're still thinking about the same things. You're just not addressing them. Everyone's kind of elephant in the room. And so th- there's a lack of peace in that. Or we might view peace as the absence of stress or anxiety. If I didn't have that boss right? That hit some of you. If I didn't have that job, if, if I could have a spa day every day, come on, we, we'd be at peace. If I could have that vacation that I've been planning for, saving for, I got that favorites tab on my Airbnb. If I could go to that place, there would be peace. And that's just a false idea of what peace is. Um, because that, that makes peace subject to whatever it is that you're going through, subject to circumstances, subject to environment, subject to all that. But the peace that Jesus promises is so much greater than that. And so uh, God, when he's talking to the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament, he, he, there's this passage of Scripture that just showcases the way that we live around the area of peace. And he says, peace, peace, they say. This is what God says to Jeremiah. Everybody talking about peace, peace. When there is no peace, God's like, this is ridiculous. You're faking it. You're pretending like there is peace and there's no peace. You're just talking about it. And so um, this, is, this is how the world views peace is the absence of hard things, absence of suffering, absence of conflict, whatever. But the, the peace isn't found in the absence of problems. It's found in the presence of God. So biblically, I can be going through the hardest thing I've ever gone through. I can be going through suffering. I can be going through conflict. I can be going through all kinds of things. And yet, in the middle of that, have a supernatural peace. And so, it doesn't come by not experiencing something or someone, but it's found by experiencing God, being filled up by him. 
And so the biblical word for peace, again, this is the way that we think about it. Biblical word and what Jesus would have been thinking about, what the Apostle Paul would have been thinking about is shalom. And it's the Hebrew word. Shalom means wholeness, completeness, fulfillment, inner rest, living without deficiency or lack, which is way different than what I used to think about whenever I said the word peace. Right. So it's like it's a completeness. It's a fulfillment. It's a fill me up with you type of peace. That's what shalom means. And this is what God has for us. And the best news ever is that this type of peace isn't attached to circumstances, but can be accessed regardless of whatever it is that we're going through. It can be the hardest season. It can be the most broken place. And my experience is, is usually that's where we access the most uh, in, in terms of peace and, and the grace that God has for us. So shalom is what God wants us to have, a supernatural peace that's not subject to what's going on around us. It's like being in the, um, I remember growing up and there being Hurricane Fran. If you remember Hurricane Fran, child of the 90s. So it's like we, we our, Fran was a big deal where I grew up, like eastern North Carolina. It was ripping stuff apart, like where I was from. It was like tornadoes everywhere. I had an uncle that had 19 trees down in his yard. I'm like, first of all, why do you have 19 trees? Anyway, it was like, but like we had pine trees in our yard and a little bit freaked out by it. But I remember my dad brought me out in the storm, hurricanes happening, eye of the storm comes, and we're right in the middle of this thing. And I we go out on the back deck and we're just chilling. Like, and it's the most peaceful, like, it's wild. It's like in the middle of chaos, and this thing is ripping everything apart. It's like, but right in the middle of it is this crazy. Peace. And we just literally sat on the deck and was like, this feels really cool. Like, you know, it's like, and so that's when I think about the peace of God. That's what I think about in the middle of the storm, middle of whatever it is that I'm going on. There is a supernatural peace that marks me and my presence, but because of the presence of God. And then it changes. It has the, it has the potential to change the people around me and impact people around me. And so Jesus in his sermon on the Mount, this is what Jesus actually calls us to do. So he says, I'm going to give you peace. But then as I fill you up on my peace, guess what it's for? It's no longer for you. I want you to impact the people around you. In, in Matthew 5, 9, he says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called children of God. And I love it because Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. I'm going to give you peace, and then you're equipped now to make peace. Like you're going to make some peace. Right? I love that he said, he did not say, blessed are the peacekeepers. He said, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacekeepers are people who are like, all right, I don't want to say that. It may offend someone. I don't want to do that. May, you know. But blessed are the peacemakers is I actually, have, uh, I actually have a message to share. I actually have a hope to share. And it's not the avoidance of conflict, but it is in many cases confronting the lack of peace, confronting where people are struggling and giving them truth in that space in a way that feels loving, not condemning or judgmental. But I can actually make peace where we lack it. And so the biblical definition of peacemaking is the opposite and often comes with conflict because God calls us to confront anywhere there is lack. That is what shalom gives us over to. So if I'm filled up, if I have completeness, now it's not for me, it's for the people around me. And I'm supposed to usher. If you're lacking peace, my job is to help you get peace, which feels really weird. For, it's like, wow, we're all in people's business. It's like, but that's the, the goal is for me to help serve you, love you, and bring you back into a place where you're experiencing the fullness and the completeness of God. God is the God of peace. Jesus comes as the Prince of Peace. 
And then we take what we've been blessed with in Christ, and then we become peacemakers, not peacekeepers, peacemakers. We're living out of inheritance um, that we have as children of God, is what he tells us in that passage. It's what we were made for. Let me put it this way. We're here, uh, and we're never more like God than when we take the wholeness and the completeness we have into a world that desperately needs it. So when we take what God offers us, and then we offer that over to other people, this is what Christ did for us. Christ came as the completeness, as the wholeness. Uh, Colossians 2 says, for Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. Christ is the completeness and the fullness of God. And he comes and he uses that for what? For a world that desperately needs it. He didn't need it. You did. I did. And there's people around us who need peace in this season. And if we're being honest, we need peace in this season, okay? So uh, the question is, how do, we, how do we make it? First of all, how do we get it? So that we can make it just like every other fruit of the spirit. This is an inside work and internal work that in order to be productive, in order to share what we've got and we got to have it first. And so here's the here's if you're taking notes, here's what I got today. As far as inside, man, we have to receive peace in our hearts. We have to receive what God's gift is for us. It's an internal work first. We can't give what we don't have. And there's three ways that we do that. The first one is that we experience peace with God. We experience peace with God. Romans 5.1 puts it this way. Therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, having our faith and our trust in Jesus, his saving work, we have a peace with God because of what Jesus has done for us. So some people, that's starting place. All these are in order, too, so none of these work if you, if you don't go in order. So Romans 5.1, hey, I have a peace with God. Why? Because I've placed my faith and my trust in him and the finished work of Jesus. What Jesus is doing on my behalf. Not on what I can do or what I bring to the table. Not that good. And when I try and build peace in my own effort, I'm not great at it. Same thing as love. Same thing as joy. If I'm trying to get there on my own, I can't get there. So it is a gift. And by faith, I believe in the person of Jesus, and then I'm given this peace. If you remember the moment of salvation, for those of you that have trusted your life to Christ, if you remember the moment of real surrender... What happens in that moment? Crazy peace happens in that moment. It's just like, are you kidding me? And just like you're experiencing grace and you're experiencing forgiveness and you're just like a hot mess in the best way possible. And you're just like completely broken and humbled and surrendered. And it's just like peace. Now, it doesn't stay that way. It's something to cultivate. It's a spirit. It's a fruit to cultivate because Tuesday happens. You know what I'm saying? But like the moment of salvation is like, yes. And then we get frustrated with the Christian life because we think we're just going to live in this place rather than something to cultivate and a fruit to cultivate. But that moment of surrender is real peace. And then that moment allows for other things. And so we experience the peace with God by giving him our life. And then we experience peace with ourselves. This is Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Don't be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, is wild. It is so dumb. It's crazy. Will guard your hearts and make your minds and, and it will hard your, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so when I surrendered my life to Jesus, I experienced this peace with God. And now I'm available that even when hard things happen, even when I'm anxious, even when I'm fearful, even when I, like, I'm able to hand all of that over to God. And he gives me a supernatural peace. In the, again, in the middle of the storm, I'm in the eye of it, right? And so... Uh, that's, that's been my personal experience. We can experience peace within ourselves regardless of what's going on. As a matter of fact, I'll say this. Sometimes it's easier for me, the harder the situation or the more broken the situation in my life, 
Sometimes it's easier to access supernatural peace in those places than it is when everything's just kind of going great on paper. And it's like all the little things that are, that are hard that, that life throws at us. But I, but I know for a fact I've experienced it. And so um, if something is robbing you of peace in this season, here's my encouragement. Don't hurry to resolve the problem or the circumstance. Get peace and then worry about the problem. Because, again, this peace is accessible regardless of what you're going through. If you got bad news, if you lost a loved one, if you're going through sickness, if you have work issues, if there's a financial problem, if there's relationship struggles or whatever the thought is, if I could just fix this thing, then I would have peace. No. No. You can have peace, and then you can fix that thing. Like, God will give you over. Again, take anything that you're anxious about. Anything. Anything you're fearful of, anything you're worried about, and pray with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then when we do that, the peace of God begins to flood our hearts. The peace of God begins to guard our hearts and our mind. And so prayer is talking to God about what's really going on in your life. You're not catching him off guard, by the way, when you pray hard prayers. Like, oh, man, I don't really want to say that out loud. Like, he already knows, okay? So it's like prayer is more of an activity really for you to align with the heart of God and what God wants for you than it is for God to really understand what's going on in your life. He, he already knows what's going on in your life. It is a posture of humility. It's a posture of surrender. It's saying, God, I need you to show up in this area of my life. It's a dependency on him. And, uh, and, and the reason why it gives us peace is because so often it, we're handing him what we can no longer control, what we can no longer handle. And we say, you got to take that. I need you to take that. And then, um, and then a key ingredient to this, too, is thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is choosing to praise God before I ever see the results or know the answer. So I can thank him. I can give him praise before everything kind of washes out the way that I hope that it washes out or the things that I think. So often we want to praise him or thank him after the thing. We don't serve that God. We serve the God who will come through. Just go ahead and thank him and praise him beforehand and then just watch what, watch his, you know, watch what happens. I remember the first night of worship that we had uh, in a season of COVID, I said, I was like, hey, we're just going to celebrate the end of COVID and, um, and, and really just God bringing us out this insane season that we were in as humanity. And, and obviously... It still exists, not in the same way. We're, we're humaning in a way that we weren't in 2020, right? But coming off of that, we're like, let's do a night of worship. And I said, hey, I want to give God praise. I want to just want to give him thanks for just bringing us out of this insane season. And we're not there yet, uh, but we will be on faith. And so can we just give God praise for, you know, and the same thing is true for any area of your life. We do this as a church. So like legacy is a great example. I want to thank God and give him praise for what he's going to do, even before I know what that's going to look like for us as a church. Same thing for us individually. So if your marriage is struggling, if you're going through a hard season with a friend, if you lack resources, thank him. Praise him. Prayer and petition with thanksgiving and praise. If you're struggling to thank him or give him praise, just take inventory of all the things he's already done. And then a, gratitude will give you over to a place of thanksgiving and praise. It's a key ingredient in that prayer. But we can experience peace with God, again, when I surrender my life. And then it positions me, because I'm in right relationship with him, that I can actually pray to him, and he's hearing my request. The Bible says that he hears the request of a righteous man, not that we're righteous in our own effort. But now, because of Jesus, man, we're talking. He's leaning in. He's listening. He's, answers, he's answering my prayers. We're experiencing peace. I'm experiencing peace that he offers me uh, because of what Jesus has done. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding begins to guard my heart and my mind in Christ. And so then the third thing is this. We experience peace with our circumstances. 
So I experienced peace with God, experienced peace within myself, and then, and then in my actual circumstances, the things going on around me, I began to experience peace. This is John 16, 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And it's just a reminder that peace, again, is not the absence of hard things. Jesus promises that you will go through hard things. You will suffer. You will go through trouble. You will, I hope this is a really uplifting message today, right? But in the middle of all the things that we go through and we navigate, you can access peace that's supernatural. And it doesn't, ma- it doesn't mean that you don't mourn. It doesn't mean that you don't cry. It doesn't mean that you aren't broken. It doesn't mean, and yet in that space, you can still have crazy peace. Um, and so... Uh, my, my experience, Brooke and I, probably the things that's most, most accessible to me for this is like last year when, uh, when our daughter passed in the summer of 21, we had um, just a supernatural peace that marked probably the hardest thing we'd ever gone through as a family and even just navigated in general. There was just a crazy peace on it. It was crazy. Why? Because we had surrendered our lives to Jesus, we had trusted him with our, with our lives and with our daughter's life, and we had also, by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, made our request known to God. He knew everything, and then he just kind of lined it up and reaffirmed over and over again that, hey, I have you. More importantly, I love Zoe more than you love Zoe. And, just like, and he just began to teach us about peace, and it marked our life in such a way that like medical staff and people that we came into contact with that were helping us deal and navigate with that situation, they were like, what is, what is going on, bro? Like you just... A, like we had a worship set playing when Brooke delivered uh, Zoe and just like this crazy scene playing out. Peace marked, marked it overwhelmingly. And, 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 and again, it's often in really hard spaces, like really broken seasons of our life, that the supernatural peace of God kind of floods in. If we really surrender, it'll flood in. But the thing that for most of us this is where most of us live today, you may not be in a really hard season of life, but it may be like all the other smaller things that are really kind of robbing your peace that you don't surrender, that you don't pray about, that you don't hand over because they're just small things. It's not a big thing, like whatever. Right. But what happens over the course of time is um, like all these small things build up day after day. They just chip away at your peace. It's subtle. Sometimes it's uh, you know, all these little, these conversations or encounters with people or, again, anywhere that there's a lack of peace that we don't confront, it, it just kind of builds up over time. And then before long, we're so far away from the peace of God before we finally realize its impact on our life. And John 16 reminds us that in this world, man, this world is not our home. It's not our home. So anytime you and I need some peace in the middle of hard things that we navigate, just a reminder that, hey, this is not, I'm not made for this. Like I'm made for eternity and obviously it's a gift and I'm going to steward it and I want to do everything that God's called me to do while I'm here. But I do believe, and as a Christ follower, this is what we believe, that this is not my home. This is not your home. And so why am I so invested in the things of this world rather than focusing on things that have eternal value? The reason why God says love me and love other people is because those are the things that last. So he's like, listen, invest your lives in what counts for eternity. And so having that kind of eternal perspective, I got to start with experiencing peace with God. Then I begin to experience peace within myself. And then I experience peace in my circumstances. What is, what's inside of me begins to overflow. And then so uh, I move from receiving peace in my heart to now I get to extend peace through my life so that's what that's the second point is like we get to extend peace through our lives so 
we, have, we now have a peace to give, right? And so Isaiah 66 describes peace as a river, not as standing water, not as a pond, not as lake, but like literally out of the overflow of what God's doing inside of you, it begins to come out and impact the people around you. And so, um, again, I have a peace because of what Jesus has done, my faith in him. And now, regardless of what I'm going through, I can put my worries and my cares and my frustrations and my fears in front of him. He gives me a supernatural peace. And um, it's, it, it doesn't matter how chaotic the scene it looks like. Um, it, it reminds me of, as I'm praying through thinking of this, it reminds me of like first responders who, when everybody else is running out of a burning building, running away from the chaos, running away from whatever, and for good reason. Like, we, we like living, you know what I mean? Like, survival is kind of a thing. So, but, like, first responders are running into the... Th- it reminds me of 9-11 um, when, you know, um, chaos was in the streets of New York. No one knew what was happening. Everybody, you know, people were trying to rush to get away from everything, and yet paramedics, firefighters, police officers are running into it. And it's like, who in their right mind is running into it? And, and the reason why they're running into it is because they had a responsibility to run into it. Because they had a commitment to serve. Because it was their job. And I think for many of us as Christ followers, what we do in the area of peacemaking is we look at hard situations, broken situations, people around us that we really can impact with our peace. And we look at their, their absence of peace and we go, ooh, I hope somebody gets that. You know what I mean? Like, Good luck with that, okay? Right? So it's like we're not running into that building. You know what I mean? But like what he's asking us to do and make peace is, hey, I'm going to fill you up with my peace. Shalom. I'm going to fill you up completeness, the fullness of who I am. Again, not the absence of hard things, but I'm just going to give you over to the fullness of who I am. And here's what you do with that. You focus on the people around you who need it. And I want you to begin to confront any area there's a lack of peace in other people's lives and not out of condemnation or judgment. But out of a place of love, I want you to begin to confront areas where people lack peace. And then begin to give away what I've given you. Make peace for the people who desperately need it. And so this is the whole idea of the fruits of the Spirit. Being filled by the Spirit of God, full of peace, so that we can be peacemakers. How do we do it? So there's three things. we got to stay focused on the real issue. When it comes to making peace, when it comes to dealing with conflict and hard things and and suffering and all that, we have, to, we have to really have a right frame of mind um, as we approach those things. Stay focused on the real issue. The enemy of your peace is not your boss. It's not your coworkers. It's not your spouse. It's not your kids. It's not the, the loss of your football team. It's not like any of the things that kind of robs you of peace, both superficial and real. But you have an enemy, and I have an enemy of peace. John 10.10 10 says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and that they have it to the full. When he says this in John 10, 10, this is what he's speaking about. It's the same type of shalom. It says, I've came that they will have a life that is complete, that is whole, that is made whole in me, filled to the brim, full of me. Uh, that's why I'm here. And so the enemy comes to rob you of life. And Jesus says, I come to give you life. And so I want us to just realize that there's a real war for your peace. There is. And, and your enemy is not the people who are closest to you. Those are the people generally who we feel like we're at war with. 
right? So I'm fighting, I'm fighting my kids, or I'm fighting my parents, this time especially, okay? Like, this is a great message for Christmas. I'm fighting my crazy uncle. I'm fighting my spouse, right? Don't look at him. I'm fighting whoever, right? But it's just like, but I can have a supernatural peace that God offers me when I realize they're not my enemy. I have an enemy, and it's not them, right? And, and so, uh, and and it's like, again, what do we believe about who God says he is and what Jesus offers us and in, in the enemy that we have uh, in Satan? And so Ephesians 6 reminds us that we don't fight against flesh and blood, but we have an enemy and we fight against uh, principalities. We fight against darkness. We fight against Satan himself. It's spiritual warfare. So, again, anytime I've been let down, anytime I've been offended, anytime someone has said something, done me wrong, whatever, like, again, they are not my enemy. I have one. And again, as a peacemaker, it's my responsibility anywhere I see a lack of shalom to usher that in. And so I got to stay focused on the real issue. Second thing is I got to begin to see people the way that God sees them. I got to see others through God's eyes. This is huge for the Christ follower. We cannot get to where God wants us to go until he gives us a lens by which to view other people. So um, right now, the spirit of the times is faction right now the spirit of the times is disunity right now the spirit of the times is uh again who's against who and where is division and whether we're talking about politics or just broader culture or whatever who's offended right who's who's where is their division and the rest of the world wants we desperately want unity and so broader culture is striving for unity hey let's let's have unity but they're trying to build unity on something other than jesus and it doesn't hold you can't try it. Trust me. Like, spend your life trying to build it on anything other than Jesus. You can't do it. The only way to get to a place of uncommon unity, regardless of context, economy, experience of life, whatever, color of skin, politics, all the junk that normally makes us look like the high school cafeteria, right? So what, what, but how, what builds uncommon unity and what builds peace among that is when we begin to view and see people the way that God sees people. This is Genesis 1. 27. So God created mankind. He created humanity in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. Anytime you and I are struggling to see people of of value, of worth, we just got to realize, man, God made that person like on purpose. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like there's no, uh, I I love the way Eric says it during growth track. There's no spare parts. Like, Like God wasn't like, oh, snap, man, I didn't mean to make that one. You know what I mean? Like all of like you are made on purpose and for a purpose. Every single person. Some of us are like like again for when it comes to building up the body of Christ. One body, many members. And this is the vision. And sometimes it feels like what is what part are they even playing? Like what are they the appendix? You know what I mean? Are they going to blow up and kill us all? Or what's happening? You know like but but like or even just humans in general we just struggle to find the value that should be there for those people. We just look at people and go, "Man, I want I, the prayer is God give me eyes to see people the way that you see people." And then all of a sudden you'll begin to see where there is a lack of peace. It's because of something that happened to them. It's because of some choice that they made in their past. It's because they have an enemy and you have an enemy and it's, it's not them and it's not your mom and it's not your spouse. It's like you have an enemy and begin, begin to see people the way that God sees people. Peacemaking is not passive. It's not passive. So it's not, I'm just going to light a candle and I'm going to sit in this quiet room. I'm going to stare at that tree 
right? It's like, I'm just, I just need a minute. I just need a minute, right? Sometimes we do need a minute. But peacemaking is like, it's active. <laughs> if you want to make peace, you got to deal with things. You can't just pretend that they don't exist, right? And so others are made in the image of God, and they're worthy for us to step into that space and share what God has done for us. The people in your life who lack peace um, are worthy of you taking the peace that God gives you and then extending that to them. As a matter of fact, that's why you have it. If you're strong in this area, any fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, any of the fruits of the Spirit, if you're strong, the reason why you're strong in that area is for others. Hey, I want you to take the peace that I give you. I want, to make, I want you to be a peacemaker because now you're going to be called children of God. And so uh, we're, we're not going to have the peace that the Bible talks about outside of God doing a work in us and doing a work through us. And the closer we get to God, the more, the more dialed in we are on the perspective that God has for the people around us the closer we get to one another. Um, there's, a, there's a theologian, I'm going to murder his name, uh, 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 Dorotheus of Gaza in the 6th century. So there was a guy who was trying to figure out a metaphor for all of this, and he, decided, he was 6th century, so he's only working with so much, you know what I mean? Right, so, like, but he was working, he said, he said it's like a wagon wheel. And he says the outer rim of the wagon wheel is like the world, and the inner part of that wagon wheel, the center that sits on the axle, is like God. And he said, you and I are the spokes on this wagon wheel. And he said, and it's so hard for me. Like, basically, over the course of my lifetime, I have an opportunity to draw closer to God. You have an opportunity to draw closer to God. And as we draw closer to God, we draw closer to one another. Or I can stay as far removed from God as possible. And I may be able to relate to people right next to me, some spoke next to me on either side, but I'm never going to be able to relate to or love or see the people that God sees this person the way that God wants me to see this person. i got to draw closer to God. And I love that image of as we draw closer to God, not only is he give us over to peace, but now all of a sudden we see people differently. And so it's so important. Stay focused on the real issues. And we got to see others through God's eyes so that we can begin to spread peace by living peace. So now we're equipped. Now we're equipped. We have the right frame of mind, the right mentality. And now we can make peace once he's filled us up with his peace. This is what Martin Luther King Jr. says about this moment. Be the peace that you wish to see in the world. Back to Shalom. Anywhere you see an absence of that, anywhere that you see people are hurting, people are broken, people need peace, there's a reason that you see it. People... People come to me sometimes, and they've been convicted by the Holy Spirit. God will give them over to a thing to do, and they'll come to me and say, hey, when can we as a church do this thing? And they're wanting to do kind of like a corporate activity, and, and that's great. And sometimes we do that to prime the pump and do different things, but it's very specific sometimes. When can we do something with this? And my response is, we, you got it. Run at it. Like the Holy Spirit has given you this burden. He's given you this this desire to serve people in this way. You've seen this lack of peace, this lack of shalom. You need to run at it. Uh, you need to do something with that. This is James three eighteen. It says this, Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So uh, what does that mean? James tells us, hey, your responsibility, my responsibility when it comes to this area. So again, God's done a great work in my life. Now it begins to overflow. What, it, what is my responsibility? Sow peace. Your responsibility isn't the, the, the harvest of it. Just to, This is our responsibility. Like somebody's struggling, we just sow in 
We just throw it. We just sow in peace. That's all we're doing. Like, I'm not responsible for who grabs hold of it. I'm not responsible for other people's faith. I'm not responsible for any of that. I just sow peace. That's it. And so uh, we get to sow peace day in and day out where there's conflict, where there's discourse, and we can't fix all the problems. We just sow peace day in and day out. And we're going to live in the truth of Galatians 5 that is, hey, in order for us to have an impact on the people around us, I've got to first let God do a work on the inside of me. So, so, so often we're focused on all the issues around us without really focusing on what we need first in order to serve people and have the perspective that God has. So um, it's out of, it's out of the, the hard places and the suffering and the conflict and the, all that that we typically want to avoid, usually where God brings the greatest peace. If we have his mindset, if we have his heart for people, if our goal in that conversation isn't to demean, isn't to make them look stupid, isn't to make us look good, isn't, if it's only to serve them, you can usher in peace. So it's not the absence of confrontation. If anything, peace runs at it and it desires to make peace, help people have what they lack. And then once we do all this, we land here. We become the evidence of peace our world needs. Matthew 5, 9, Jesus, we already said this, but we already, we, we've already read it. It's, it says that um, when it's talking about peacemakers, it says they will be called children of God. As in the rest of the world is going to know who you are in Christ as you carry peace. Because the whole point of the fruits of the Spirit is, hey, let me grow in the likeness of Christ. Let me get filled up on the things of God. And then people notice a difference in my life. My impact is greater. So you can already have a saving faith in Jesus and still need so much more. I still need to put on so much more love, be filled up by more joy. I need the peace that God offers me. That again, is not subject to my circumstances or the hard things that I'm going through. How we get there? I got to realize who Jesus is and what he did on my behalf. It gives me peace. And when he did that, it, it, it brings me into a, a relationship with God. Now, all of a sudden, man, I'm able to bring by prayer and petition, anxieties, worries, fears, frustrations, all the things to the feet of God. He gives me supernatural peace. He gives me his, his perspective for people. And uh, it changes the game. This is John 17, 22, 23. Jesus says, this is the high priestly prayer. Um, hours before his death, he says, I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And, and Jesus is talking to the Father and he's just reminding us, hey, what should mark this group of people, my followers, is this crazy unity in the person of Christ. So that as I follow Jesus, I look less like Michael, I look more like love. I look less like Michael, I look more like joy. I look less like Michael, I look more like peace. And you can do the same thing. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter when you came to faith in Christ. Doesn't matter how much money you got or who your mom and daddy was or what denomination or background or whatever that junk. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I can, as I put these on, as I begin to say, God, I need you to fill me. 
and I need you to give me your heart, your perspective for people. And it's a daily discipline. This is not like a one-time thing. This is just daily surrendering my agenda, my life, fill me up, equip me, empower me to do the things I can in my own strength. Do things in me that only you can get credit for. And so, but what that gives us is an uncommon unity in the person of Christ. We begin to look more like Jesus, unified and together. And then our diversity is beautiful when it's rooted in this uncommon unity. And the world needs evidence, needs to walk into a room, a space in a place like this and see people who hold no context, all different seasons of life, races, incomes, all the types of things, and be able to walk into a space like this and be like, why are these people hanging out? What is happening with this scene? And it's just, it's the peace that God offers us. The greatest, let me put it this way, the greatest evangelistic movement the world has ever seen is on the other side of us being filled up with God so that we can overflow with every fruit of the Spirit together. It is not going to come from uh, a track. I'm not anti-tracks. Calm down. It's not going to come from, uh, you know, some kind of program or curriculum. It's not going to come from a street corner preacher. It's not going to come even from evangelistic rallies and stadiums by celebrity uh, uh, Christians. It's not going to come from that. It's only going to come by you and me and us collectively being filled up by the fruit of the Spirit and then that overflowing into people's lives and they go, I want what you have. That piece hits different. How are you navigating that? And then you have like, how are you loving people that way? It's weird. Let me tell you about my God. Let me tell you what Jesus did inside of me so that he could do this, this overflow work. So that's my prayer for us as a church. That's what I'm believing for in this season. And uh, I've experienced it, but I, I want more. <laughs> I, I, I want more. And when I say I've experienced it, I mean, like, there's been times where I've experienced supernatural peace. But in general, if I'm being real, if I'm being fully transparent, this season especially, like, I just, I, I, want, I want to do the daily discipline of offering, surrendering my life, my agenda, whatever so that he can give me over to what he wants to give me over to. And um, my prayers is that you would do the same and then just watch, watch him work. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much for the way you love us, God. Thank you for coming. Thank you that you were born of a woman under the law so that those of us who were under the law, or those of us who are slaves to this religious mindset, this rule keeping, this way of working and meriting our way to heaven in right relationship with God, it never works. It was never going to work. And so you came and uh, you redeemed us. And you make us whole and you make us fulfilled and you, and you give us over to shalom. You give us over to a supernatural peace when we place our faith in you. So God, give us over to the end of ourselves so that we can get to a place where we're humbled enough to surrender our lives. Again, not just the future hope of eternity, not our heaven, but our now. Give us over to surrender a place a place of surrender where we just give you not, not just heaven, but now. And, and that you're lording over our life. And when that happens, even as we navigate hard things, and you promised that we would, trials and trouble and suffering and bad news and hard things relationally, that you offer us peace in the middle of anxiety, worry, fear. And help us, help us to be filled up with this peace so that it marks other people. We're able to serve others with the peace that you give us. And help us to see that peace is not peacekeeping, but peacemaking. Help us to see the absence of peace in other people's lives and then get involved. To give the courage of conviction to see a need and feel the need. 
the courage of conviction to see where people desperately need some peace and then we offer the peace that you've extended us it's active and give us over to that mindset it's not about avoiding hard things it's not about the absence of problems but it's about the presence of a savior if you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, it's hard for you. Listen, you know we talk about peace, and, and you're never going to be at peace with your now or your eternity until you realize what Jesus has done, who God is, how much he loves you, and what he offers you in Christ. The moment of your salvation is when you finally see and surrender your life to him. And it's not a religious activity. It's not who your parents are. It's not spending time in church or reading the Bible or any of those things. It's Jesus that saves you, and it's faith in him alone. The grace that God offers through Jesus is this faith and trust in that that gives us over to salvation. It gives us over to peace. It starts the whole process. And so you may be here today, and that's you, and you need to surrender your life to him. You need to trust him with your life and be given over to that supernatural peace that we're talking about. Or you could be here today and say, you know what? I've had that moment. I've had that prayer. I've had that time. But, man, it has been a lifetime of me just drifting to a place where I just lack peace. I don't trust him. There's many places in my life I haven't surrendered. And I, I, need to, I need to get back in right relationship with God, really rededicate my life. I need to get back into a place where I'm committed and I, I've, I've experienced salvation, but I need to get, to get back to a place where, where God has changed my mind. So I, I know in this moment, I know I need that, and I'm asking for God to do that, to change my mind. I need to repent of some things. If that's you, if you either need to come to faith in Christ, surrender your life to him, or come back to him today, and you're in the room, would you just, as all of our heads are bowed, we just raise your hand in the room and just say, that's me. I need to come back. I need to come to him. I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to give people always an opportunity to respond. Give God an opportunity to just, it's really a moment of confession between you and God. And if that's you, just say, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I surrender my life. And I'm grateful for what you've done for me. I'm grateful for the peace that you offer. I'm grateful for the work on the cross and the resurrection. And now I, I take hold of that. I take all my sin, my brokenness, and my baggage. And I, I accept what you offer me. But God, I know now I'm making it about others. So help me to be a peacemaker. Help me to be filled up on you so that it overflows to the people around me. God, thank you so much for your church family. God, thank you so much for the people of God. Thank you so much for what you're teaching us in this series. And thank you for this season. God, help us to just swell with gratitude and thanksgiving and praise before you even accomplish what we know you will accomplish in our marriages, in our homes, in our finances, in our lives, in our vocation, in our purpose and fulfillment. Before we even feel it, before it even hits, thank you in advance. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.